Daniel, the book of Daniel. We're still going through some classic Bible stories. We've been looking at a lot of events in the Old Testament. We're probably going to get to some things in the New Testament. Uh, but we are still in the Old Testament looking at some of these classic stories that if you, if you grew up in church, you probably heard some of these stories before. Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3, starting in verse 16. This is, this is one of my favorite, favorite stories because I feel like that there is so much good stuff in this passage. There are so many things, I think, that, that God could speak to our life, so many areas that, that maybe this passage could connect to us and things that we're going through and uh, be encouraging for us. Uh, so I would encourage you, we just don't have time to go through the whole chapter uh, in, in great detail, uh, but I would encourage you, if you get a chance this week, to go back and read the first part of the chapter so you can uh, see what was going on. Read the first couple of chapters of Daniel up to this point so that you can uh, see uh, what is going on. Uh, I had a dream a couple of days ago. I have these dreams from time to time. And uh, I had a dream that I was preaching today, and I preached the best introduction to a sermon I'd ever preached. Everybody stood up and applauded. My introduction to the sermon was so great, and I was thinking, what is going on here, you know? And so I was feeling good about preaching, and then somebody said, well, I want to sing a special. We're going to go in the back, and we're going to practice. And they were back there singing, and the church was full, and people started leading and leaving, and I couldn't preach. And it was a horrible dream, horrible. I couldn't figure out what to say and didn't know why people were leaving. And uh, so hopefully that won't be the case today. Hopefully none of those things will happen. And uh, we can just have a normal service and we can give uh, God all the glory and praise as we study His Word uh, this morning. So we'll open up with a prayer and then we'll dig into the, to the text. Father God, we come to you this morning. I thank you for, uh, for your words. I thank you for what you did for uh, your faithful followers in these scriptures that we're going to read today. And God, I pray that you would help us to see that you will be there to deliver us, that you will be there with us and the tough situations that we may be going through in our life, dear Lord. And I pray, God, that as we read these texts and as we look at your word, I pray that the Holy Spirit would use your word and would touch our hearts, God. There may be things in your word, God, that you reveal to us today that maybe I don't preach on, but God, that the Holy Spirit knows that we need to hear. So God, I pray that you do the work today. It's not about my words and what I say, it's about your words. And so God, I pray that if nobody else hears anything I say today, that they would, that they would read your word, that they would see your word, and that they would see you at work in these passages. God, I pray that you would just humble me. I pray that you hide me behind the cross. I pray that you would be glorified in this place today. I pray that you help me to say what I need to say, not ramble on. And I pray that you give us ears to hear and free us from distractions. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, a little backstory before we get into the verses that we are looking at today so we can understand a little bit about uh, what's going on. Uh, uh, God had promised that he was going to have a chosen people that would be called Israel uh, way back early on in the New Test or excuse me in the Old Testament and God uh, wanted to give the Israelites their own land now fast forward you see the Israelites go through a lot of a lot of things they end up in Exodus God delivers uh, in the book of Exodus, God delivers them from uh, the Egyptians. They're in Egypt for a little while. God delivers them and is, and is preparing to send them on their way to uh, the promised land. Now, eventually, uh, Joshua leads the Israelites into the promised land, the area that God wanted to give them. Now, God wanted to 
blessed the Israelites. He wanted to take care of them. He had provided this place for them that all would be good. It was a good piece of land that they were living on. Uh, God was with the Israelites when they were obedient to him. He was driving out the people who lived in the land. And the Israelites had to do what God said. He gave them a few commands. He gave them a few instructions. And God said, if you be obedient to me, I'm going to be with you and all, everything's going to go well. Now, that's, that's summing up a lot of stuff that happened at the beginning of the Bible, but that was uh, what took place. Now, we've talked about a couple of uh, stories in the last couple of weeks, one being uh, the story of Samson. Now, Samson was a judge in the land of Israel. Now, when the Israelites moved into the land, there were other people living there, and God had warned them specifically, look, be careful, don't intermingle with these other people because what happens is if you intermarry with them, if you accept them, if you, uh, if you allow them to come in, uh, you may, you may uh, begin to, to, to take part in their practices. Now, they, they worshipped idols and false gods and, and things that were going to lead the Israelites away from him. Now, Israel was to be set apart. They were to be a holy nation. That is, they were supposed to be different from the other nations that were in the land that they went to capture. All the other people that lived there, Israel was not supposed to live by their standards, but were supposed to live by God's standard. Now, through this time, we see lots of ups and downs in Israel's history. We see Israel obedient, and we see God bless them. We see Israel be disobedient, and we see punishment come on them. Now, in the book of Judges, we see lots of judges that are, uh, that are kind of ruling over the people, I guess we could say. And Samson was one of those judges that we talked about. And we, we saw how Samson had a strength from the Lord, and Samson was disobedient, and it caused some difficulties in his life. But ultimately, he's looked at in the Bible as a man of faith. He called on the Lord, and God used Samson, Samson's strength to help defeat some of the enemies that were against the Israelites. It wasn't long after that that the Israelites demanded a king. They wanted a king so that they could be like the other nations that were around them. And God granted their request. He allowed them to have a king, and they had their first king that was Saul, and he was a bad king. And so God had established that there would be a new king who would come, and that was King David. Now, we talked about David a couple of weeks ago, we talked about David as a younger man who fought against Goliath. We saw that the power of God was able to, through, <coughs> excuse me, through David's faith, deliver a, a giant over to him. Not with fancy armor and a fancy sword, but just a sling and a stone and the power of God, David was able to defeat a giant. And David later went on to be king of Israel. After that, Solomon became king of Israel, but because of disobedience, after Solomon, the kingdom of Israel was split into two different groups. There were 12 tribes of people that made up the kingdom of Israel. And now, after Solomon became king, after, after he uh, was king, the, the kingdom split into two groups. Now, these two groups in Scripture are referred to as Israel and Judah. Now, I know I've said this before, but it's important for us to realize so that when we read the Bible, we kind of understand what's going on when we see Israel talked about and Judah talked about. We know the difference between the two. Now, Israel was, were the ten tribes that were on the northern part of the land, and Judah, there were two tribes that were on the southern part of the land. So sometimes in Scripture, you'll see the northern tribes and the southern tribes, or you'll see Israel mentioned, and you'll see Judah mentioned. That was after they were split. Now, 
After they were split, the northern tribes that we call Israel, that the Bible calls Israel, uh, eventually were overtaken because of their disobedience. They were overtaken by a place called Assyria. And it wasn't too many years after that that Judah was overtaken too. Now Israel only had bad kings. They never had a good king after the split. And it wasn't long uh, after that that God he, he allowed the Assyrians to come in and bring judgment on the people of Israel. Now, Judah was a little more faithful. They had a few good kings, uh, but eventually Judah was overtaken by a group of people called uh, Babylon. The Babylonians came in and overtook the southern tribes of Judah. Now, that was kind of a long introduction, but it gets us to where we need to be today. Now, Daniel uh, it takes place after the, the, the tribe of Judah has been captured by the Babylonians. They have gone into captivity. Now, the tribe of Judah would be in captivity under the Babylonians for quite some time. Now, eventually, God would deliver the people of Judah. Eventually, he would uh, allow them to uh, rebuild the temple. Eventually, uh, God would allow them to be free from the Babylonians. Now, we've talked about this a few weeks ago in Exodus, that sometimes God uses other nations to bring judgment on his people. Now, I think this is a good example. Because of the disobedience of Israel and Judah, God used other nations to come in to uh, bring judgment upon them. But God didn't give up on Judah. Uh, God would eventually deliver Judah from the Babylonians. But during this time that the tribe of Judah, that God's people, were taken captive by the Babylonians, that's what we see in the book of Daniel. Now, there was a king. His name was Nebuchadnezzar. And he was king at that time. And as they brought in all of these people from, uh, from Judah, he wanted the, some of the best of the best of the young men to come and serve in his court. Now, again, go back and read the beginning of Daniel for yourself. I'm just kind of paraphrasing for time purposes today. But if you go back and you read the first of Daniel, you'll see these events take place. The king wanted uh, a few men for himself. And of those men that were chosen, uh, four of them were Daniel, Shadrach, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, that was not their name originally. You will see them by a different name at the book of, uh, beginning of the book of Daniel, but the king wanted their names to be changed, uh, probably because uh, they had names that, uh, that would have brought f focus on the Lord, that would have fo uh, brought focus on Yahweh. And the king of Babylon didn't want, uh, didn't want that association with the God of the Israelites. And so all of their names were changed. Daniel's name became uh, Belteshazzar. And then we also have the names of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, you, I don't remember what their original names were, but you can look back at the beginning of the book of Daniel and you can see uh, what their names were. So you may see the name Daniel some, or you may see Belteshazzar some, and that is referring to Daniel. Now, the king requested these, uh, these men be brought up so that they could be in his court, uh, but these four men, uh, they, they, they were remaining faithful to the Lord. Uh, the king wanted these men to be fed well so that they could be brought up and they could be strong to serve in his court. Uh, but, 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 but Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, they didn't want to eat the king's food. They didn't want to be defiled by the king's food. So they asked if they could just eat vegetables and they could just drink water. And the, and the guy that was over him said, well, wait a minute now. If I let you do that, you're not going to look healthy. You're going to look weak. And then the king's going to get mad at me. And Daniel said, well, just give it a shot. Just give us a few days to try this out. Let us eat what we want to eat and not eat the king's food. And if we look worse 
then then so be it. We'll 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 do what we got to do. Well, guess what? At the end of those days of Daniel. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego eating uh, vegetables and drinking water and not eating the king's food. They were healthier than all the other uh, 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 men from Judah uh, that had been brought in. They were the cream of the crop, so to speak. Now Daniel had found favor with King Nebuchadnezzar because he was able to interpret a dream for the king that no one else could interpret. Now, this story is very similar to the story that we see in the book of Exodus. As, as, as uh, God's people are brought into Exodus, uh, into Egypt, excuse me, uh, Joseph finds favor with the Pharaoh and gets put in a, in a high position of power. And this is kind of similar to that. We see through this story that God is still with his people. Even though he has allowed them to go into captivity, God has not abandoned his people. Now, there are still some who were faithful to the Lord. I think that's another key thing that we can say. Even though that there were some who were disobedient uh, to the people, or excuse me, to the Lord, uh, there were some people who remained faithful to the Lord, and God remained faithful to them. God was with them through this process. We see that today in the story we're about to look at. We see it later on with, a, with something that goes on with Daniel, that even though that the nation as a whole may have been disobedient to the God. To God, it didn't mean that all the people had completely rejected the Lord. So Daniel had found favor with the king, and he had asked that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego also receive some favor with the king, and they did so. And that's what we see leading up to the verses today. Now the king had made a statue, a big tall statue that he had commanded all of the people of the land to worship. Everybody was to worship. When they heard the sound of these certain instruments that were listed, they were, uh, they were all supposed to bow down and they were supposed to worship this huge statue that the king had set up. That's what happens at the beginning of chapter 3. Well, guess what? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego weren't going to worship this statue. And there were some who were, who were out to get uh, the people from Judah, it says. Uh, they, they, they brought forth to the king and they said, Hey, didn't you make a statute? that they were supposed to bow down and worship the statue. Wasn't that your command? Well, king said, yeah, everybody's supposed to bow down and worship the statue. Hey, well, guess what? These guys aren't doing it. These guys aren't bowing down and worshiping the statue. They were looking uh, for an occasion to bring against them to get uh, these, these, these men from Judah into trouble. So the king calls Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into his presence, and he says, hey, look. Are you going to bow down and worship the statue? When you hear the sounds of these instruments playing, you bow down. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would not bow down and worship the king's statue. And this is what they did in verse 16. Daniel chapter 3, verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to, king, to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to give you an answer to this question. If the God we serve exists, then he can rescue us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he can rescue us from the power of the king. But even if he does not rescue us, we want you to know that we will not serve your gods or worship the gold statue you set up. Now, Nebuchadnezzar had, had given Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego an ultimatum. He said, you will bow down and worship this statue or you will be thrown into a blazing fire. Now, this is where the faith of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was really going to be tested. 
They were taking a stand for the Lord. They were not going to bow down and do what was evil. They were not going to worship anything or anyone other than the Lord. And they were taking their stand and they said, we are not going to do it, king, even if the firing furnace and the blazing fire uh, was set before them. And he said, we don't need to give you an answer to this question. And they said, look, we're not even worried about what you say. Their faith and their trust in the Lord was so great that they uh, weren't even too concerned with responding or making an argument to what the king said. Either you, you bow down and worship the statue or you're going to be thrown into the fire. We don't see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego begging for their life here. We don't see them all saying, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry, king. I, I should listen to you. Please forgive us. Instead... They take a stand for the Lord. And it's beautiful what they say. He says, If the God we serve exists, then he can rescue us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he can rescue us from the power of you, the king. Now, I don't think that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego doubted that the Lord exists. Uh, they knew that the Lord exists. And they were saying, look, the God we trust in is able to, to deliver us from whatever you're going to do to us. We know that our God is stronger than anything that, that you can do. Now, Nebuchadnezzar didn't trust in the Lord. He, they, he didn't trust in Yahweh, the God of the Israelites, the God that we here are here serving today and worshiping today. He served many false gods, as we see in the text. But they said, look, if our God does exist, you're going to see that he's going to prevail over your gods. He's going to prevail over anything you're going to do to us. It's kind of reminiscent to me of the story of Elijah when he made uh, the altars there. And, and, and he, Elijah, and the false prophets of Baal uh, were both praying to their gods. And guess what? Baal did not answer. The, the false gods, the fake gods, the non-existent gods did not hear. It was Elijah's God. It was Yahweh that was victorious. He was going to uh, be victorious in that situation. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego here says, Look, the God that we serve, he is going to deliver us if that's his will. He can do that. He can deliver us. And, 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 and what was going to happen is Nebuchadnezzar was either going to see uh, the Lord's power or he was not. But either way, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were fine with whatever was about to take place. They go on to say in verse 18, but even if he does not rescue us, we want you as king to know that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you set up. So they said, look, we believe that our God can deliver us and will deliver us. But even if he does not, we are still willing to serve him. We will never bow down to another God. Now that's good stuff right there. That's good stuff right there. They weren't saying, we're only going to follow God as long as he's looking out for us and doing what we want. If God abandons us and doesn't deliver, then well, we're going to, we're going to quit worshiping him. That's not what they're saying at all. They said, look, we believe, we know that our God can deliver us from your power and anything you do to us. But even if he does not, we are still going to stand by him. Now that's good for us. That's good for us because there are times that we are put into difficult situations. There are times where we may be in situations where it could be, it could be real, real difficult for us. Boy, if we take this stand for the Lord, if we, if we say what we need to say or do what we need to do, we may be putting ourselves in danger. And God may deliver us from it in a miraculous way. He may do something very powerful or he may not. 
And we see that in our world today. There are many brothers and sisters in Christ that take a stand for the Lord. And some of them, I, we hear beautiful stories of how God has delivered them. But there are others that we see that are giving their life for the Lord because they have the same heart that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We're going to serve the Lord. We know that he can deliver us, but we know sometimes he chooses to and sometimes he chooses not to. But we serve the Lord because we love the Lord and because he is great. And we would rather serve the Lord and die for him than live for a false god. And that's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said. Let's read a little further. Verse 19. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with rage, and the expression on his face changed toward Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He gave orders to heat the furnace seven times more than was customary, and he commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the furnace of the blazing fire. Now we see the king's pride. He has got power. He has got pride. These men, how dare they? How dare they stand up to King Nebuchadnezzar? They had already come in and overtaken their land. These men were captive of the king. How dare they refuse to follow the king's command? He was, he was outraged because of what was going on. And so he, he wanted the furnace heated up seven times greater than it would normally be heated up. He was doing everything he could to make this the worst possible experience. The furnace was heated up. He got the strongest men that he could find that he had available to him. They tied up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There was no chance that these men were going to escape. He was about to make an example out of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You go against the king, you will suffer the consequences. And who's going to stop him? Now, we know by reading about King Nebuchadnezzar in these verses and the verses that follow, we see that pride was an issue for him. He was a very proud man. He thought a little too highly of himself. But God was about to use uh, this experience and experiences that were to come uh, in the later chapters to uh, humble Nebuchadnezzar. He might have thought that he was in control. He might have thought that he had power. He might have thought that he was going to get his way. But God was about to show him something different. Verse 21. So these men in their trousers, robes, head coverings, and other clothes were tied up and thrown into the furnace of blazing fire. Since the king's command was so urgent and the furnace Extremely hot, the raging flames kill those men who carried Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego up. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell into, excuse me, fell bound into the furnace of blazing fire. All right, so the king has set this, his, his punishment into motion here. The fire has been heated up seven times hotter than it normally would be. The strongest men have bound Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they are going to carry them up to the furnace to throw them into this furnace. But even as the strong men uh, who, were, who were taking Shadrach, and Meshach, and Abednego into the furnace, they couldn't even withstand the heat outside of the furnace as they approached it was so hot that the heat even killed these men. So we're seeing here that this is a serious fire. This is a real deal. This is a real miracle that God is about to perform here. There's no question, well, maybe they got in a spot, maybe it was a big furnace and there wasn't fire there, and maybe it's a, it's a reasonable explanation for how God delivered them. Nope, there's no reasonable explanation here except for that God performed a miracle. 
The heat was so intense that you couldn't even get close and live. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into the flaming furnace. Verse 24. Then King Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in alarm. He said to his advisors, Didn't we throw three men bound into the fire? Oh yes, of course, your majesty, they replied to the king. He exclaimed, Look, I see four men, not tied, walking around in the fire, unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Now can you imagine the look on King Nebuchadnezzar's face? He probably didn't think twice about what was taking place. He probably, as they were thrown into the furnace, he probably uh, was ready to go about his way and go about his day and not worry about a single thing that was going to take place because they would have been killed in an instant. <coughs> Except when they were thrown in there, he looked and noticed, well, wait a minute, how many people did we throw into the fire? It was three, right? Yeah, it was three people. But as Nebuchadnezzar looked into the flaming furnace, he saw four people in there. Now, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had been tied up. But yet these who were in the furnace were not tied up at all. They didn't even look as though they were being harmed. They were simply walking around in this extremely hot furnace. And not only those three, but there was a fourth there. Now, there's a lot of discussion as to who this fourth could be. Now, some of your translations uh, say that the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Some of your translations say that he looks like the Son of God. I believe that probably the first is more accurate. Although it's difficult, I believe that the first is probably more accurate. One, because uh, we, we know that Nebuchadnezzar didn't worship Yahweh. He worshiped other gods. And, and at that time, we didn't know that Jesus was the Son of God. That didn't happen until uh, many years later. And so it would seem odd that Nebuchadnezzar would use the language, he looks like the Son of God. Perhaps he could have looked like what Nebuchadnezzar thought would be a Son of God. But it seems more likely to me that the phrase that he looks like a Son of the God uh, may be more accurate. But that's up for, for each of you to to determine for yourself. You can read the text and see. But the key to this is that there was someone else in the fire. And it was someone that Nebuchadnezzar recognized as a divine being. He knew that there was something about this, this, this other being that was in the fire. Now, I don't know what it was that gave it away, but there was something miraculous about this other figure that Nebuchadnezzar could see in the fire, and he recognized that he was a divine being. Now, there's much speculation as to who this fourth person in the fire could be, but the text really just doesn't tell us. Some would say that it was an angel of the Lord. We see angels in the Old Testament that God uh, may send to be there for people or to help people. It's possible that this divine being that Nebuchadnezzar saw was an angel. Some would say that this was a pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. That is, before Jesus came and, and was in his earthly body, he's always been in existence. He's always been around, and perhaps this was Jesus. Uh, uh, we see Jesus in the Old Testament, that this is a pre-incarnate form of Jesus Christ, that Jesus himself uh, was in the fire. Now, we don't know from the text here exactly who was in the fire, uh, but we know that God intervened. Whether it was Jesus himself in some form before he came later, or whether it was simply an angel of the Lord, God was faithful to deliver those who were faithful to him. 
God protected them when the heat was at the hottest. God brought them through the fire. Now that's good for us to recognize too. Now I hope that none of us ever get thrown into a flaming furnace. But there are fires in our life that we go through. There are situations that look like that they are going to be so painful, so horrible, that there's no way that we're going to come out of this situation alive, that there's no way we're going to make it through this hard time that we're experiencing, that there's no way that we're going to be able to overcome this sin that keeps reaching back up and grabbing us no matter how much and how hard we try to fight. There are some situations in life that it looks like that there is no hope. These fiery situations God can deliver us from. Just as God delivered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from their situation, so God can deliver you from yours. It doesn't mean that you won't have to go through fiery situations. Keep in mind here that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they did have to go through some difficult situations, but God delivered them. The Bible says on many occasions, it talks about the imagery of us being refined like pure gold, of going through the heat so that all the impurities can come to the surface and that only what is pure is left. And that's what God does for us as Christians. We go through these spiritual fires. We go through these things in our life. And God's intent there is for us to be drawn closer to Him, for us to have faith in Him, for us to trust in Him, for us to have any doubt that's there, any fear that's there, any worry that's there, uh, to, be, to be cast aside so that we would praise God all the more, so that we would humble ourselves before God all the more, so that we would trust God all the more, and our faith in God would be strengthened. And oftentimes, when God... Uh, brings us into these situations that we go through in our life, it's so he can strengthen us. It's so that we can be made pure. It's so that we can come out of the fire on the other side better than we were with our faith stronger so that other people can see our life as a living example and we can give glory to God. That only that any good that comes from our life only comes from the Lord, that any deliverance that we have has only come from the Lord, that any healing that we have only comes from the Lord. It is the Lord who brings us through our difficult circumstances. It is the Lord who brings us uh, to be victorious over our sins. It is the Lord that brings us through the fire, just as he brought Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego through the fire. Let's read a little further. Verse 26. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the door of the, of the furnace of blazing fire and called, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you servants of the Most High God, come out. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. Boy, that didn't take long, did it? Here was a man who was, was wanting them to bow down and worship his statue and, and, and had no acknowledgement of their God whatsoever. And now in an instant, he has seen God work a miracle. He has seen God deliver his people. He has seen God that was with these three that were thrown into the furnace. And he sees that they were unharmed, that the, that the most blazing fire that he could come up with and all of his power and all that he could do, he could not stand up against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So when he tells them to come out, boy, isn't it interesting that he says, and you servants of the most high God. In an instance there, he realizes who is the Most High God. It's not any of his gods. Now, who's to say in this instance that, uh, that Nebuchadnezzar maybe didn't believe in other gods, but in this moment, 
Even if he still had a belief in other gods, he knew that Yahweh, the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, was the Most High God. He had seen the power of God, and boy, it had opened his eyes. And the same may be true for us in some of the things that we go through. It may be something that God has delivered us through that people look at our life and say, Golly, I never thought he or she was going to make it through that. Well, I never thought he or she could amount to anything. I never, I never thought their life could change around. If God can change their life and save them, boy, he might could save me too. And, and it's a beautiful thing when God's power works in somebody's life and other people see that. They don't see how good we are. They see, wow, God can work miracles. God can work miracles in our life today. Let's read a little further. Verse 27. When the satraps, prefects, governors, and the king's advisors gathered around, they saw that the fire had no effect on the bodies of these men. Not a hair on their head was singed. Their robes were unaffected, and there was no smell of fire on them. Nebuchadnezzar exclaimed, Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel and rescued his servants who trusted in him. They violated the king's command and risked their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I issue a decree that anyone of any people, nation, or language who says anything offensive against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will be torn limb from limb, and his house made a garbage dump. For there is no other God who is able to deliver like this. Then the king rewarded Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Boy, isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful how we see King Nebuchadnezzar change instantly? He went from saying, you worship my gods or you're going to die, to saying, their God is far greater than any other God. Therefore, worship, worship the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or you are going to be killed. It's amazing what the power of God can do. It can change the lives of those who put their trust in Him. It can also change the life of those who see God doing a mighty work. This story is full of good encouragement. It's full of good things for us as Christians to look at. I would encourage you to, to read this chapter in more detail. Maybe read it from time to time, in particular when you're going through that situation that it looks like there's no way you're going to get out. There's nothing good that can come from it. If God can deliver his people from a fiery furnace, there is nothing that he can't deliver you from today. But we also need to look at the heart of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they knew that perhaps it would be God's will to deliver them, or perhaps it would not be God's will to deliver them. They didn't doubt the Lord. They didn't question the Lord. They trusted the Lord. And they were willing to trust the Lord whether he saved them from their trial or not. Their situation didn't determine their love for the Lord. Their situation didn't determine their faithfulness for the Lord. The fact that they loved the Lord and trusted him, that's what they went by. And that's what we need to take away from this story too is we need to have that same kind of faith to know that, look, sometimes we pray for God to deliver us or answer our prayers in a certain way, and sometimes he does, praise the Lord, but other times he does not. But we, wor we, we worship God and praise God because he is worthy to be praised. And he knows what's best for us. He may bring us through a situation because that's, what best, that's what's best for us. He may not bring us through a situation because that's what's best for us. 
But the only way that we are going to have any hope, the only way that we are going to escape the fiery trials of life and the eternal fire and the lake of fire is if we are delivered. The only way that we are going to be delivered is if our faith is in the Lord. And just as there was an extra man there in the furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that delivered them, so there is someone who delivered us, and that is Jesus Christ. Just as they were not alone in their circumstances, they were not alone uh, and left to die, so we are not left alone and left to die. Instead, we are loved by God, and there is one that is sent for us. There is one that is beside us in every situation. There is one who desires to deliver us. And if we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we too will be delivered. Not just from things here in this world, but from eternal punishment. What do you have your faith in? Would you be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego if your faith was tested today and it didn't seem like God was answering or doing what you wanted Him to do? Would you be willing to take a stand and still say, I love you, Lord, no matter what happens? Are you, have you put your faith and trust in the Lord? Have you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ to know that whatever you go through, He's going to be there with you? And just as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were delivered, so will God deliver you. The same God that King Nebuchadnezzar recognized was the Most High God, guess what? He is still the Most High God today. Just as He was worthy of the praise of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, He is worthy of our praise today. Have you put your faith in Him or not? Let's pray. God, we come to you this morning. We thank you for this, this beautiful passage that you've given us. We thank you for letting us see your power in such, a, in such a wonderful way. We thank you for the example that we see from your faithful servants, dear Lord. That they love you through the good, through the bad, dear Lord. That they trust you. That they had faith in you, dear Lord. Through all that had gone on, through being taken into captivity... Uh, to being put before a furnace, dear Lord, where they were uh, ultimately willing to give their life for you, dear Lord. Throughout it all, they had faith in you. They never gave up on you, dear Lord. And God, we see that you are faithful to your children. We see that you are faithful to those who are faithful to you, dear Lord. God, you're faithful to us sometimes when, we, when we're not faithful. But God, I pray that if there's one in this room that has not put their trust in you, that hath not trusted Jesus Christ and put their faith in him, that they would do so today. God, maybe there are some that are going through situations and struggles and it feels like a, a fiery furnace of life, dear Lord, the things that they're going through. They feel like that they're alone, dear Lord. They feel like that there's no hope. But God, I pray that maybe today through these words, through something your word said, God, that they realize that there is hope, that you are a God who can deliver, a God who will deliver, dear Lord, a God who will send that, that, that extra someone to be with us to get us through the fire. And that someone, dear Lord, is your son. It's Jesus Christ. And so I pray, God, that if there's anybody that hadn't put their faith in Jesus, that today that they would do so. God, maybe there are some that are going through fires. I pray that they would just hold, hold firm to their faith, that they would not give up, that they would not give in, that they would just, just, just tough it out, God, with your help, with your power, so that they would be refined like gold in a, in a fire, dear Lord, so that all the impurities and, and doubts in our life may come to the surface, God, that our faith in you would be stronger. And that when we come out the other side, God, when you, when you deliver us, as you so many times do, that we give you the glory for that, that we point other people to you, that we show people what you've done, how you've redeemed us, how you've saved us, how you've delivered us, God, and that they might turn to you too. 
that they would turn to Jesus Christ so that they too would be delivered. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.